This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, it's the 7th of February 2024. Coming up today, big news from Lenovo and Jeff Bishop is here with his bits. You're listening to Double Tap, (laughs) your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Goodness, how you could destroy a reputation in just like one simple sentence. Jeff Bishop's here with his bits. <laughs> Combined age of 90 between us. How did we still find that funny? So sorry. Yeah, intellectual age of 10. <laughs> so childish. How are you? Yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? How are you feeling today? I- I'm beautiful today. You know, I know it's the midweek hump. Earth, but yes, I, I, that's right. I am yes. feeling good and positive. It's a good show today, I've got to say. Oh, well done. Well done. Yes, today it is going to be the best show that we've ever produced yes. on Wednesday, the 7th of February, <laughs> 2024. That is absolutely guaranteed. And mainly down to Jeff's bits, I've got to say. Very interesting conversation with Jeff. Yeah, let, let's let's maybe clarify what we're talking about here. So for people who don't know, um, so we're going to hear from Jeff later because he is uh, part of a new, uh, and it's been around for a while. I didn't know this, but uh, Bits has been around as part of ACB, the American Council of the Blind. Oh, for the blind. I think we're going to get in trouble. It's very American important. Council. We get this right with blind people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just skip on by. Um, but yeah, so ACB is uh, behind this, and it's a, a way of. And this is what I love about this. This whole thing is really about empowering us blind folk to kind of go the next step. You know, it feels like a natural progression when it comes to technology, right? We started off. We had you know access to mainstream tech that was, you know, accessible to us, but, you know, very much on the base level, you know, you could do basic things with it. And then we started to get into a bit more, into a bit more, and suddenly we want to do things like edit videos and pro- program code and, you know, do all these things that a lot of people want to do, you know, for a lot of different reasons, for, for personal fun, for hobbying, but also for work, for employment, to get jobs. And, you know, th- this is an area that, this is finally something that we can start to get into properly and bits can help with that. That's at least my understanding of what Jeff is, is uh, offering. Yeah. It just seems, uh, you know, you've got everything there. I think with workshops and community, getting people together, but the things that, that really interested me in this was the more advanced, I suppose you could call it um, workshops such as coding, because some people are really interested in that and, there are lots of resources out there, but of course, we're always looking for that uh, visually impaired angle from it. Okay, you can find yeah. a course on coding, but okay, let's throw in a screen reader on top of learning to code and the environment we're using to code in, and it's a totally different environment. And these cater for that, or at least the uh, course that they're offering right now does. And I'm really interested in that. I think it's a really cool direction to go in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I must admit, there's, there's areas like video editing, and it comes up time and time again, where you speak to people who say, I really want to get into this. And, you know, everyone always says the same thing. Oh, well, Reaper's good. It's great for editing. Okay, so how do I learn that? Uh, well, good luck. Uh, and then you say, well, there's Final Cut. And you go, oh, okay, that's cool. Is that accessible? Yeah, yeah, it's accessible. Cool. How do you use it? Uh, just use it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and that's it. You know, that, that literally is how it feels, right? Yeah. Sometimes you just think, I want to get into all this stuff, but I really need more than just... Well, you know, you just turn it on and start playing around. I know that's how a lot of blind people have managed it. I know I feel that way in my own life. I've always just, you know, opened up an app and tried to figure it out. I will say, though, 
it's funny doing it without the screen as I'm doing more and more it is getting harder and harder because you feel like you're just spending so much time going through things I, I, I we, we talked about this before we started right I think there's something that's kind of hit me maybe today and I don't know why it's taken all this time to kind of get to this realization I kind of knew this already I suppose but there's a moment that comes that you have to realize or at least I've realized that you've got to just slow things down a bit because I, when I was, let's just say my vision was better, I could do things at breakneck speed. You know, I could multitask, I could jump between documents because I was using my eyes, right? I could see, I could listen, I could, you know, use all the senses, smell, <laughs> taste, taste, <laughs> eating my MacBook uh, on a lunch break, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, I was doing all, the, all this stuff. I could move between, jump between different things. My, you know, my energy levels were much higher because I was younger as well. So, you know, bring age into it. Oh, this is depressing. Bring the lack of vision. Yes. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm being real because, you know, here's the truth. I think some of us think we can still run at those speeds, and we can't. And actually, if you slow down, you might find you'll get to where you're going faster. God, that was awfully uh, profound, wasn't it? Oh, it was very good. Very deep, Stephen Scott. I totally disagree, but uh, okay. You disagree with that? No, I don't. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I was going to say, well, we don't know. That's not what you said five minutes ago. I like disagreeing with you. So, you know. All right, okay. No, well, but I, I, I will say, we. I feel like I'm putting pressure on myself to be as quick as possible to prove that, hey, this isn't holding me back sometimes and I can keep up with anyone. And I think you're right. Sometimes you do need to just, you know what, it's going to take me a little bit longer to do this as to someone who can do it without a screen reader. But it's yeah. fine. It's, it's not a, you know, a, a real problem in the way. It's just going to take me a little bit longer. And in some cases, it doesn't. But there are certain um, things that you do in a workflow or something where you've got to take your time. I think you've got to come to terms with that, yeah. Well, th that's the bit, right? That is that's so vital that you think it's taking you longer. But actually, if you think about the amount of stress you put on yourself and oftentimes the frustration that's all adding to that time. I mean, I'm sure if I started a stopwatch and tried to run at the same speed I ran at before in terms of doing something on the computer, whatever it might be, you know, trying to use vision, trying to do, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to do, and then compare that to using, you know, the, the screen reader properly. What I mean by that is listening to it, turning the screen off and stop trying to see things on the screen. I mean, the reality is I can't see things on the screen. So unless I'm using a very high level of magnification, which is useless, and with nystagmus, magnification just doesn't really work very well anyway, um, you know, unless I'm using a high level of magnification, which I think they say once you go past 900 times, whatever it is, the, the magnification level, you really should be on a screen reader. I mean, I'm way past that. I'm pretty much zoomed into the point the cursor is the only thing on the screen. Yeah. You know, it's like there's nothing else, no room for anything else. Yeah, magnification That is not help. functional. No, it's not functional. But if I'm trying, and I've been trying to do that over the past few months, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I can do this quicker if I just use my eyes. And I think if I was to compare that to just stopping and saying, right, enough. And I've been doing that the past couple of days. And, and I do it on occasion. I kind of have these moments where I just go, right, I've got to focus in. I've just got to focus because actually it makes my life easier. Yes, there is an energy sapping as well that comes from using a screen reader. That's another part of this. You know, you'll still get the headaches. You'll still get the the difficulty, but I think a lot of that comes because I think that's what puts a lot of people off screen readers, especially at the beginning. When you start to use them, it feels like God. This is just as much energy as I'm trying with using my eyes. But I think the difference is that over time, if you just allow yourself to keep going at it over time, 
it will ease and you'll actually find that those headaches aren't as much of a problem. This is kind of where I'm at. I'm at the I'm at the downward uh bit of the hump. The downward dog, yes. Okay. Um yeah. using the yoga term. Uh I don't, yeah, that, you and I use, uh, the only time I use yoga is in relation to Lenovo. That's the only time I ever use the word yoga. I'm sorry. I, I will say uh, I think it takes time to get used to a screen reader. It is a different experience. But then again, we've all got those uh, string of commands of keyboard shortcuts, right? If I'm doing an edit and I'm changing the uh, gain on something, the amplification on a piece of audio, I can so quickly, you know, Alt-C, A-A, Enter, Enter, right, to maximize the amplification. I can do that in a split second. Now, that is a lot faster than someone using a trackpad or a mouse to go to the menu, do that, do yep. that, click on the text field, enter it in, whatever it may be. That is so much quicker. But that actually, you could that you could also make the same argument for sighted people. Sighted people that use keyboard shortcuts over sighted people that use the cursor and mouse pointer. Um, keyboard shortcuts are always faster because you can do a, a sequence in a split second. But you've got to get to that level, right? Getting to that level takes time when you're using a screen reader. Again, to make sure you know exactly where you're going without making mistakes, you do need to take your time. But in other areas, I think we're faster. Well, I mean, you know, they call people, they don't call us this, but they call people who are <laughs> sighted or non-disabled oh. who use keyboards power users. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they don't call us that, though. But we are. That is what we are. We're power users. And and it's very hard to kind of, especially when you don't feel like you're a power user on any level. You know, you're sitting there thinking, I mean, look, the thing for me that actually, and it's interesting how this works, you know, I've obviously got the vision problems and, and the, the issues with all of that. And so you're trying to, you know, really just focus in and, and you know, get the job done and, and kind of dealing with the vision, you know, that's kind of there, that's getting in the way and I do find this, this wearing my sunglasses dulls so much of the room, turning my screen curtain on, because it's just light just irritates me. That's the problem. All light just irritates me, and it fluctuates through the course of the day. So some some days I could do with some light, some days I absolutely cannot. Um, and, you know, I just have to kind of bear that. And that's the kind of fluctuation. And I've kind of got used to that. Now, of course, I've got this hand issue or hands issue, because it's kind of affecting both hands now, which is just really irritating me. And it was interesting. I was talking to a friend the other day. And I was telling them about this issue I've got with my hands and the, the issues and the pains and the and the the, the grip and, and just even trying to type an email can be quite, it takes a bit of time. And, he, he, you know, that way it, it was almost as if, and God love him, but it was almost as if he was thinking, goodness, you know, you, you talked to me about blindness, but how can I describe this? It's almost like he couldn't understand that I had a, a second disability. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, you, you can only have one. It's like, but, you, but you're the blind guy. That's what he said to me. But you're the blind guy. And I'm like, uh-huh. So does that mean that the rest of me cannot ever fail? Nothing else can go wrong, yes, right? Exactly. So my hands can just be... So my hands, there's nothing wrong with my hands, right? I'm just making that up. And he's like, no, 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 but it just, it's just not what you talk about. And I thought that was a really interesting comment. And I think it's, it's like society just can only see the one thing. It's like, not only can they only see disability, they can only see the bit of the disability they choose to see. So if it's dis if it's blindness, it's blindness. But if I say, "Oh, yeah, I've got physical issues as well," they go, "Really? What? And or or, or so?" I, I I think I know where it comes from. I think it comes from a place where people say, "God, it must be bad enough to be blind." Now you've got that as well. And I think there's probably a little yeah. bit of that, you know, because uh, that's ultimately why people fear blindness, right? Because they're already thought of being out of control, out of or what they think is you know, losing control, losing the ability to do lots of different things. 
you know, I know, I know some people love to rave about how wonderful it is to be blind. I think you have to be in a very special place to get to that point. I'm not there. I, I put it out there. I'm just not one of those people. Yes. Um, I don't love it. I hate it. I would happily trade it for anything. I would, you know, it's just, it's not something I want, you know, and I, and I struggle with it, but I'm, but I am learning to live with it. And I have to say, and I've said this before, but technology is, I think, the, my route to sanity a lot of the time, if I'm being brutally honest. I think that's kept me sane. Didn't realise that for a long time. Didn't realise that was probably what was keeping me on track. But it just, it was such a fantastic distraction. And with the ability to use the technology, it made me feel like I could do something. So I didn't feel like I was, it was like, it didn't feel like, the end, you know. Do you know what I mean? It just it, I technology never had that. gives you th- some things back. You know, where would we yeah. be if we were cut out of using a smartphone, cut out of Can using a computer, which we were for a long time? Let's be fair. Before we we are quite lucky as a generation or few generations that we've had access to this. We can, use- although I, I can't take it away from the people who we've spoken to in the past who you know use punch card systems and computers, exactly. And, you know, yes. blind people who were who were getting on with it way before us. It's very and true. Man, I mean, don't get me wrong; I can only imagine how blim and difficult it was. But they got there. They did it. And in, in fact, I mean, the the I would say the OGs when it comes to you know blind power users, those are those people, and those are the you people know, that, that that fought for where we are today who do you know help to yeah. get us to where we are like greg in pennsylvania right. is a great example mm-hmm. uh, he's been in the you know industry for so long and he dealt with that and had to deal with uh, uh punch cards and things like that so uh yeah i think we're quite lucky where we are of course that doesn't mean i'm uh, happy to be blind either but um either way the way the way i would put it is it's like the the original the, the original geeks the ones who were the ones who were Right back at the beginning, you know, learning how to use this technology that just was not built for for them at all, not built for us. Those are the people who pushed the ball up the hill. Yeah. But now we're at the point where the ball has to be continually, yeah. you know, Don't roll in back the air. Down. We have to continue. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's actually in some ways more difficult than, not, I'm not saying more difficult than pushing it up the hill. It certainly wasn't. But it is difficult because people think that accessibility is a tick box. You know, accessibility in a system, once you've got accessibility in an app or in a program, well, that's it. You've got accessibility now. What are you complaining about? But, you know, I read an article the other day by a blogger called Carrie Ann Lightly, who you must check out. I posted it on, on X. And um, she put up this, this article saying there's no such thing as fully accessible. We need to stop using these words. Now, whenever I hear someone saying, we need to stop using the word, I just usually switch off. Yeah, I agree. Because it's like, don't don't limit language, please. Um but struggling to use it as it is. But, you know, don't give me less words to play with. <laughs> Maybe that would be easier. I don't know. But, you know, she was talking about don't use it because it, it, it harms or it doesn't harm us. But what, how does she put it again? She said it's it basically doesn't apply to anything. And it's true. There's no such thing as fully accessible because something that's fully accessible to me. And, you know, I've kind of learned this the hard way with, with my hand issues. You know, there are things that can instantly become inaccessible as well that are perfectly accessible to one person who's disabled, but to another person, even with the same condition, could be totally inaccessible. So uh, you know, it, I go with uh, that to a certain extent, but I, I feel like a lot of times we're talking about an app and we mention how accessible it is. If I say it's fully accessible, I always add, if you're blind, or to screen reader users, or if you're low well, vision. Well, again, that's not true either, is it? You've got to qualify it. Why, why isn't that true? 
Well, let's say some, I mean, you could say, for example, Reaper is fully accessible. Yes. Okay. So everyone says it's fully accessible. To who? That's great. But, but what, there's another element to this, which is the knowledge to use it. And the knowledge to know how to set it up and the knowledge to know what to do with it. Oh, come There's on. There's another no. level of learning to this. Oh, well, it's fully accessible if... You, you could go on... Uh, no, I don't go with that. You could, If you don't know how to set it up, then it's not accessible. No, but I'm saying if, if you say something's fully accessible... Yes, it may be fully accessible. Final Cut Pro is an example of this, a perfect example, actually. Where, yes, it is fully accessible, as in the app is accessible yes but navigation through that application understanding what's going on all the time uh, but then you qualify that. And, and, and is a video editor accessible truly accessible to a blind person considering what it is well we talk it's video we talk pictures no, no, no. we talk about accessibility versus usability all the time hey this is technically yeah. accessible but you from a usability point of view it's a bit of a faff to navigate around we talk about that all the time. It's all about qualifying your statement. If you just fly out and say, hey, this is fully accessible to disabled people, well, hang on, what's what's the disability we're talking about? It can't be fully universally oh, universally, universally accessible. I was turning into Sean Connery for a second. Can't be universally <laughs> accessible to everyone. I don't think we've ever got to that pinnacle yet. But um, no, I, I don't agree, Stephen. And I'd like to start out with another disagreement. Thank you. Excellent. Well done. Well, I was just starting. I mean, yes. <laughs> it feels like we're kind of at the end by now. Um, so uh, go check out that article. I posted it on X if you get the chance to go read it because it is very, and, and she puts it far more eloquently than I do. Um, but it's, it's a good, it's a good uh, discussion for sure. Anyway, let's move on because uh, Michael Babcock is here with some news. Hey, it's Michael here. I am taking over the Double Tap show for a couple of moments. So oh. Stephen, go get some tea. Sean, okay. sit back and relax. I guess okay. go get some tea, but that's a long jaunt, I imagine, from your shed to... <laughs> Get the tea. Maybe Stephen warned you and you have some tea. Anyways, want to nope. talk to you about Lenovo today. And we're going to tell you a quick AI-related story before the end of this clip. So hopefully you'll get something uh, to help make your creative juices flow. So Lenovo, since 2021, has been working with the Governor Moorhead School in Raleigh, North Carolina, to better understand how visually impaired individuals use PCs. They've also aligned some changes that they are bringing uh, with Microsoft's accessibility team to provide standards in this keyboard design. And I'm super excited about it because it's something that I don't think that I have seen in too many places. And uh, I actually had to use AI to help me with a Lenovo laptop recently. So what Lenovo is doing is they're adding tactile representation on key buttons with newer laptops. For example, they're putting tactile representation on volume up and volume down. Kind of important, especially when it comes to a laptop. Uh, actually, earlier today, I took a picture of my keyboard on a Lenovo laptop and asked Be My AI, hey, which function key is the volume key? Because I didn't remember that it was F3. So this will be exciting when some tactile representation will be able to let me feel where is the volume up? Where is the volume down? 
But also, Stephen's favorite button, the insert key, is going to get tactile representation as well. Lenovo plans to add tactile representation on the insert key, which apparently typically sits next to the delete key. I I can see that on this MX key is the insert key is directly above the delete key. So uh, it's very important to be able to determine which key is actually going to be deleting and which key you can use for your screen reader modifier. I mean to insert text if necessary. Another key that they're going to be adding tactile representation to is the function key. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I am looking for the function key on my computer or other computers, it can be a little challenging, especially if I'm not familiar with that keyboard. They're adding tactile representation to the enter key. Typically how I find the enter key is it's the biggest key, uh, but I think this will help with making people feel more confident with their keyboards. These are all exciting updates, especially for people who are new to using a computer. I'm thinking of a client that I work with who he doesn't know where a lot of the keys are because he remembers using the keyboard with sight and didn't have any experience with using a computer as he lost his sight. So this is something I learned about because I was pointed to a press release about the enhancements to the keyboards coming to Lenovo computers. I made that connection because I used GPT back in November to search out a contact at Lenovo I could reach out to in order to talk with them about accessibility improvements and possibly to get a demo unit that I could try out some of these new accessibility enhancements that I knew that Lenovo was working on. The contact I found by asking GPT to research who would be the best person for me to reach out to and then telling it, okay, now let's write a message to that person because I will sit there and think about my message for a thousand hours and never send it. Whereas if GPT gives me the text of the message, I'm going to be more likely to at least craft it to make it my own and then send it. And then I reached out to that person at Lenovo and I said, hey, can you help me with figuring out how I can take a look at some of these new updates? And she said, no, I can't, but I'll tell you what, I'll put you in contact with someone who can. So I really encourage you to use GPT. Think creatively about the way that you're using it and how you can best get the results you're looking for. And what is it that GPT can do? Remember, it can be your research assistant. There's a lot of exciting accessibility improvements coming to Lenovo computers, and I will likely be following up in the next couple of months to share my thoughts of these improvements and uh, let us know if you have any questions. Feedback and unmute. Ah, wrong email. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. All right, Sean, did I give you enough time to go get that tea? Hopefully. Or as I said, maybe Stephen forewarned you to tell you, hey, Michael's sending us a couple minutes of audio. So kick back, relax, and put your feet up. And uh, I'll hand it back to Stephen and Sean for your regularly scheduled whatever this show is called. Uh, Double tap content. Really am excited about these Lenovo updates. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) I love Michael. Amazing. I mean, how much can he cram into one piece there? I didn't even think. Think about using ChatGPT to look up a contact. That's really cool. Yeah, just such a such a cool guy. And you know, he he brought this story to us a while ago, and um, he, he was saying, "Oh, you know, you mentioned it on the show." And I'm like, no, "Michael, it's your story. You went off and found it. So you know, please come and tell us about what you found." And uh, I'm so glad he did. 
this is an interesting idea, and it's interesting to see companies like Lenovo, especially Lenovo, right? Because they're, I think they're still the world's leading PC brand. Is that right? That they're still, or at least the one that sells the most PCs so. today. Yeah, they're still standing, which is good. I mean, there's so many yeah. that have gone along the way. Um, yeah, Lenovo's really popular. Well, they all consume themselves, right? Because it wasn't Lenovo... Was it once IBM, IBM that, that yeah. became, or I can't remember who bought who, but eventually Lenovo was the, was the one that came out of it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I have to say Lenovo is the one computer manufacturer. I, I hate sometimes to put this moniker on them because they probably don't like it. I don't know, maybe they do. I often think, you know, it's like, you know, I often talk about the blind computer, the blind this, the blind that. But they are kind of the blind laptop people, right? Because they've developed laptops that have really stood the test of time. They're very hard-wearing. The keyboards are excellent in them. They're powerful. You can buy them across a different range. I mean, I will say, I think some of their lower-end laptops are not so great. I've not heard great things about the early idea pads. I don't know about the Yokas so much, but, yeah. you know, those, those sort of cheaper end, I think you get what you pay for. thing with every with manufacturer, though. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting. I, I, again, tactile markings on keyboards. When it comes to the function keys, they are... A bit of a nightmare, I find. You know, finding which is the volume up, which is the volume down, which is the brightness, because they do send, uh, tend to change on various laps. The amount of times I've turned the Wi-Fi off by hit, accidentally hitting a function key. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's impossible to figure it out. So I do really like that. But um, tactile insert key, Stephen Scott, I mean, I know you wooed it. Woo-hoo. Uh, well, listen, I am, I am, Come I am so happy at the moment, that, that uh, Lenovo have clearly been listening to me. And, <laughs> yes, uh, yes taking, they got sick you know, of your whining about the insert key. <laughs> We've put a mark on it. Now you know it's there, okay? You know it's there. It's just, well, thank you, Lenovo. I will be forever buying Lenovo laptops as long as you continue to not only highlight the uh, insert key, but make it available. It's a nice, nice added feature. Of course, you, we're so used to the Braille dots on the home keys, right? But that... It's not much of a, a change, but it makes a huge difference just marking those, especially, and this is something I'm so guilty of, is just telling people, oh, just press this and that. And there's people that are coming to computer keyboards fresh and don't know touch yeah. typing. And, you know, I'll oh, just press the control key. Well, which one's that? And, you know, again, we're talking about uh, um, taking your time and learning things. Uh, learning the layout of a computer keyboard takes time. And something it's like funny, this actually, really helps. We we had a conversation with someone a while back, if you remember, and this is exactly what we had that exactly the conversation we had. We said, "Look, you know, it's maybe time that this particular individual was, you know, it was about time that they should perhaps get into using a screen reader." And I said, "Okay, so the best thing to do is start with, you know, starting to get to know the, the layout, getting to know the commands, you know, just just turn on the screen reader, just use the Windows key, navigate around, you know." And the person said to me, "Well, I, what's the window? Where is the Windows key again?" And very quickly it became clear, this person can't touch type. And I thought, that's going to be a problem. So we yep. had to start there. Again, had to start advising on, their, on, on that very, right, okay, let's start with touch typing. You've got to, you've got to learn that first. It's an assumed you know, ability. The keyboard we're, is everything. We're so used to everyone, oh, they just know touch type and they know the keyboard layout. It's just not true in every case. No, of it's course not. it's not. So very good. Azabat. Azabat was the one that uh, we recommended for, for learning. It was the uh, accessible... Ooh. Tutor for, for Surely touch that's typing. offensive now, isn't it? 
As a bat. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Blind as a bat. Yeah, I, I thought that as well, but it's A-Z-A-B-A-T, I think. Is as a bat. I couldn't care less as but long as it works. Hugely I don't care. offensive. <laughs> and also, exactly, right? I will say, I hope they're putting some work in their software side of things as well, because the Lenovo Utility, again, this is a kind of good example, accessible-ish, but usability mm is not great trying to update through that utility. You don't have to use it, but it's quite useful. And um, accessibility-wise, needs some work. So it's good that they're... Do you what? Do you use it for anything? Because all I do with it is just whenever it asks me to update, I just say yes. Yes, but I, I like... I mean, to... it's probably not the best way to do it, but <laughs> I just say, yeah, whatever, yeah. I, don't know what you like. I Carry do on. like to see what is being updated, what version of the BIOS is yeah. being updated. I do like to know that stuff. So That's I do like to go geek. through that list. Narrator is better than NVDA, I find. I don't use Jules, so I don't know how well that is. But um, it just needs a bit of work. That's all. Uh, let's get an email before we go. Uh, this is actually, uh, we'll go to break at least. Uh, we've got Jeff Bishop coming up talking about uh, bits from ACB in a minute. But uh, let's hear from Gordon Anthony, who got in touch with us. He left us this voice message. Hello, Double Tappers. It's Gordon from Livingston in Scotland here. Um, just a few things I thought I might as well pass on to you. Um, firstly, in terms of Apple Watch, which you've been discussing uh, on and off for quite a while now, um, I've got an Apple Watch 7, and some time ago I was getting quite worried I'd need to update it because my battery was not lasting long at all. I was having to charge it a couple of times a day. Um, that was very unusual. Um, I had no idea what had suddenly caused it. But then uh, my son said to me uh, one day, he said, I thought you had screen curtains switched on on your watch. I said, I do. And he said, well, I can still see the time showing on it. So I went into settings and discovered that somehow the always on option had been selected so that the watch was always showing the time. Now, I have no recollection of turning that on, certainly not deliberately, so I'm going to blame a watchOS update for it. Yeah. I've turned it off and immediately noticed a huge difference. Uh, my battery is lasting much, much longer, getting a full 24 hours out of it, if not longer. And then when you mentioned the other day that Lord Robin Christofferson had suggested Lord turning Doctor. off the wake on wrist raise function, I did that as well, and that's also helped. Uh, make a difference. It means I now need to just press the digital crown to wake the watch up whenever I want it. But it is saving battery and uh, I'm now at the stage where uh, if I charge my watch in the morning, by the time I go to bed at night it's still got over 50% battery left. So thanks very much for the suggestion there. Um, another thing, just while I'm recording this voice memo, I noticed now that in the voice memos app the record button is reported by my voiceover as Button. Uh, I have no idea why that happened, but I think that, again, is another iOS update that has caused that little glitch. But uh, it does work. It just you have to hunt around the screen to find the button that's not marked record before you can record anything. And finally, on T. Um, now, uh -huh. I have to agree with Stephen here. It must be a Scottish thing. What? It's not an expression I hear very often, but whenever I've heard anybody in Scotland say they prefer black tea, they mean tea with no milk. Ah, there you go. Now, since um, Scots have invented almost everything in the modern world, mm -hmm. I'm sure we invented tea as well. Yes. So on this occasion, I have to say that uh, Stephen is absolutely right and the rest of the world is wrong. Yes, so thank you. So there we are. That's just my thoughts for the day. Thanks again. Enjoying the show as always. Keep up the great work. 
Bye for now. Modesty is our middle name in Scotland. Thank a, you, Gordon. Is this a Scottish thing? That was my idea. Is, is, is that what this yes. is? We invented I'm going to bring tea. a list in. I'm not going to do this, but I am going to bring a list in. In quotes. Uh, <laughs> showing you all the inventions. Do you ever watch the Grand Tour uh, on Amazon Prime with uh, the, the guys I who did. used to do Top Gear? Yes. Um, they did an episode from Scotland, and this is something they picked up on. This is why it always sticks in my mind. Because they, they did an episode from Scotland and they said, here's what the world invented. And they went through all these different countries. And then they went to Scotland and the list was running off the page yeah, of I, everything, including <sighs> a tea, milk, and the water it boils in. We even invented boiling. Okay. I, I think this is a myth, but okay. I'll, I'll take it. Don't, don't you just... <laughs> thank you, Gordon. I just... We, we invented everything, including the air you breathe. Fire. <laughs> um, I'll say, don't you just hate it when you do an update and a setting is changed for some reason. And I've had exactly oh, the same experience yeah. with a few different things. And I'm thinking, I am 100% sure I did not change that. And the only thing you can think of is that an update for some, whatever reason, just changed a random setting. It's happened to me as well. And the uh, the Apple Watch, by the way, I, I wore my Apple Watch when we went away and it lasted three days on one charge. Oh, now, admittedly, I turned it off at night and turned it on again in the morning. But the screen curtain, and now I'm a screen curtain man constantly. Oh, we're, cur- we're curtain people. It was not of Oz around here. Yes, it makes what? <laughs> okay. oh, was there a curtain in that, wasn't there? Was there? Don't look behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Okay. There, was a cur- there, was a, there was a curtain there, right? <laughs> okay, well done. That was the and don't look behind tenuous... the curtain, exactly, because there's, there's a <laughs> there's Windows reference. screen behind it. <laughs> anyway, yes, the screen curtain is great for battery life. Thank you. Carry on. <laughs> uh, we must move on. This is Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567 or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Okay, so let's talk about uh, a new part, or at least to me anyway, a new part of uh, ACB that I learned about. Uh, Jeff Bishop is here, uh, formerly of Microsoft, of course. He is uh, now part of Bits. He's the president of Bits, uh, part of ACB, and he's here to tell us all about it. Jeff, good to have you on Double Tap. Thank you, everybody. It's great to have you here because the last time we spoke to you, you were at Microsoft. Now you're not at Microsoft. I'm not. Um, I want to talk to you about something that I know you're very passionate about and something I've been seeing you talking about this a lot on social media, and that is Bits. Tell us about Bits, what it is, what it means. Yeah. Bits is Blind Information Technology Specialists. It's a, a special interest affiliate of ACB, and it's a it's a an affiliate that focuses around technology. And I became president of it last October. And one of the things that that I really wanted to do was create the atmosphere and and feeling of it being more of a family and uniting people together, first of all, because we we struggled with it for a while. People were some people were you know, unhappy and, you know, so it was time to do a reset. So 
the first thing that I did was I went to the board and I said, look, we need to try to get as many of the members that we had back. But we also need to get more because if we want to do something big and bold and ambitious in this organization, then we need more people to help, you know, and pick up an oar and help drive the ship forward. And they're like, good, that's great. So what is your idea, Jeff? And I went, well, let's make membership free. And everyone was like, sure, let's do that. So we did. And uh, that's where it started. And we grew from 179 members to over 675 now, which is pretty phenomenal, actually. And it's wow. not, it's, but it's not about the, it's not about the numbers as much as it is the culture that's being built around the people. We're doing some really big and bold things. We're we're partnering across the assistive technology industry and the te- and the technology space. Uh, for example, we partnered with Numa Solutions. So if you're a Bits member, then you get double time for RIM. So normally you get 30 minutes a day. If you become a Bits member, you get an hour. And that started today. Um, so if you're a Bits member, then you get an additional 30 minutes of time per day. And for most people, that's perfectly great. One of the other things that we had heard from our membership was, hey, we want more advanced topics and we want to be able to learn from experts. So we're starting. In fact, the window closed this morning. uh, A Python programming course that's being led by a number of us inside the organization and we're utilizing the talent. They're not directly sponsoring, but we're involved with some people who work at both Microsoft and at the American Printing House. So that's starting later this month. And we're very, very excited about that. It's a 16 week, 16 to 18 week course um, that we're assuming no programming knowledge whatsoever. And then we thought, well, okay, if we're going to do that, there's going to be a book that's required and Bookshare is $80 a year. And unless you live in a, a state in the United States that um, offers it for free. But that's not going to be good enough because, you know, a lot of people can't afford $80 or they can't afford to go out and buy a, a book that's 40 or 50 or $60 that may not be as accessible as the Bookshare version. So we contacted Bookshare and we said, hey, we're starting to provide educational opportunities inside of Bits. And we would consider ourselves an educational opportunity. And so what do you think? And they said, yes, we will partner with you. So they are. So if you are a BITS member and and you can um, prove that, that you're eligible for, for Bookshare, and right now that's through the National Library Service in the U.S., then you'll be provided Bookshare for the length of the course, meaning you're not just going to get the, quote, book. You're going to get full access to Bookshare. And we're not done. We'll have more things to announce later this year, but it, it, it's about building a community of people who are like-minded in trying to better themselves and better the world uh, centered around technology. And it, it's about giving people opportunity, empowering people to achieve more in whatever they choose to do in their life, whether it's professional, personal, or whatever the case may be, uh, helping them be successful. It's, it's pretty bold. It's pretty ambitious. It, it's taken a lot. I, I'm very thankful for the hard work of many that allowed us to, to achieve what we've done thus far. But we're not done. We're, uh, we're, we're excited with where we're going. Wow, Jeff. Firstly, 
congratulations on on resetting and building that community up. Yeah, I know you said numbers aren't that important, but it just shows what a, what an impact you've had. So well done on that. And secondly, I love that idea of going further than a, a, a webinar on you know how to make Zoom calls or, or something. Of course, all that stuff is so important, but going a little bit deeper than that and Python programming and coding. I think there's so many people out there that are interested in that. I'm, I'm sort of kicking myself that I missed the window to sign up for that because that sounds so interesting. And there are other courses out there. I've looked into Swift programming in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but having that, uh, you know, that visual impaired, that blindness angle to it is, of course, really important. That I know I'm going to be able to access any resources. So I think that's an amazing idea. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we're, we're not done in the education space. We have an education committee, which is chaired by uh, someone who has vast amounts of academic experience and she uh, she has a lot of vision in, the, in this space as do I and so we're looking at office training later this year web accessibility training because um, we want to we want to educate people on how to be effective both personally and professionally uh, we're, we're, we're looking at all kinds of opportunities here Google Docs training we've had people ask for that and who knows, right? It's it's what the membership wants is really where we're going to go. So it, this really just comes down to, you know, what what does the membership want to get taught? And we will try to find yeah. the experts to, to achieve it. It always feels to me as if there's been three levels, potential levels of training for blind people. And we've only ever really seen two of those three realized. The first one being the entry level, you know, getting used to using technology from the beginning. And then that sort of middle ground of, you know, okay, downloading an app, updating an app, using, you know, specific applications, doing kind of basic level, like Sean said, you know, making a Zoom call. I say basic, important stuff, right? The important things to be able to, to function online, to use the web, all that. But then there's that pro level that never really seems to get realized. I mean, and if it does, it's it's in the form of academia. So you have to go and do a course, so you have to go and do a which is fine. But I think for a lot of people, you know, at home who want to learn this stuff, who don't necessarily have either the means or the ability or even the desire to go through all of the processes of going to a college or going on a course or even just sitting down with a huge academic book and reading it, you know, it's a lot of work. There are some people who will be keen to do that, and fair enough, but there's a lot of us who might be interested in doing it as a pastime that might lead to a job or may lead to something else in the future. We can upskill ourselves, essentially, through these kind of things. And that's, to me, what, from what you're saying, what BITS is kind of trying to, to do. It's almost trying to, to cover that gap in the market. Yeah. We also want to make sure that we're meeting the needs of people who are not as technical. So we're, we've developed a mentor program. There's so much that we've done in just in four months. It's hard to, you know, keep, keep it all going. So we have, so we have taken our email list, which had, I don't know, five or 600 people on it. And we broke the lists down by topic. And one of those lists we call gentle and people are like, well, that's a weird name. Well, I, I told them, listen, I want the list name to represent what it is. Because a lot of people are turned off by really geeky people. And they're like, I'm not going to fit in mm-hmm. here. You know, you guys are so weird. And I, I, I'm just, I, I don't know that I could participate in this because you're way <laughs> above my head. And that's not what we want to portray. So the gentle list is an opportunity for someone to come join the list, ask whatever the question is that they have, and either get a, 
a very kind and great answer quickly or to be handed to a mentor that will help them and guide them in whatever task they need one-on-one over Zoom or whatever platform is that they choose to use and have someone to assist them. And it's working. People are really finding great value in that. So it's about people helping people. That's what it's really about. Yeah, there's nothing worse, is there, Sean, when you get, and I, you and I have experienced this so many times, you get those people that say, well, you don't know that. Well, you don't know how to do that. You don't know that yeah. command in JAWS. And it's like, yeah, but first off, you can't know everything. And my response to this, as you may imagine, Jeff, is usually a little bit, I, 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 I skip past passive aggressive. I just go straight to aggressive. Yes. And, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> well, you didn't know it either at some yeah. point. All right. We don't all know everything. No one was born with the JAWS manual downloaded into our brain. Mm. It's not how it too works. Too many commands. Too many to Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you know that yeah. this is this sounds amazing. The ability to to mentor to have people who understand the fact that we're all coming at this new, and you know, and let's be honest about it. New people are joining the club every day, right? So there's lots of people out there, maybe losing their vision. Think, how am I going to be able to do my job? Well, exactly. Those people too. I mean, these are not unskilled people. These are people who maybe used a computer, maybe worked in high, you know, high-paying, high-skilled job for a long time. Now feel, what am I going to do with my life? Well, I mean, I don't know everything either, and so it's an opportunity for all of us to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got to say, I really like that name as well. Rather than you know, noobs or newbie or beginner, gentle. I really yeah. like that. It's, it's, a, it's a good way to to ease people into it. Yes, yeah, it's about being gentle with people who might feel like they don't, they don't belong, and we want to we want to be welcoming, you know. And yeah. that's what it's all about. I have to be honest, Jeff. Up until I saw your Mastodon posts about it, I had never heard of Bits. Yeah, um, and that's perhaps no surprise. I'm in the UK as a Sean, right? So maybe we weren't meant to hear about it. I don't know. And I guess that's my next question. What about the international side of this? Can people from around the world, could we join in? Yes, of course you can. Uh, free memberships are, are gone though. We, uh, the, the, the board, the board, um, allocated 625 of them and they are now, uh, uh taken, but, uh, sure. Go to joinbits.org and join us. That, that'd be great. Um, and we have people from all over the world, Ireland, the United Kingdom, Australia, Germany, France. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit crazy to see how many people from around the world have joined us, and I love it. it. It's getting interesting from the standpoint of this Python training course because we now have people all over the world that are enrolled in this thing. We have 141 people, by the way, who have enrolled in this thing. Wow. Um, and... <laughs> but it's at eight o'clock at night Eastern time on a Monday. And so some of these people are like, well, you know, it's four in the morning, my time. My answer to <laughs> my answer to them is, well, you know, you could do the double tap thing and get up at five. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Kind of. Um, I like it. <laughs> no, but, all, but, but in all seriousness, uh, we have people from all over the world. So we're going to make that work. What we're going to do is, is we're going to um, we have an email list for the course. We have uh, we'll, re- we'll provide them recordings. Um, we will work with them as much as we can, y- y- you know, in times that work for them where we can. So we're we're trying to be as accommodating as you know as possible. But yeah, we'll we'll take we'll take people from all over the world. Absolutely, sure. So can I ask what is the subscription cost? Then is that a monthly thing, an annual thing? It's twenty dollars a year. Oh right, okay. I think Stephen can stretch to that. 
Oh, thanks. I'm paying for you, Emma. <laughs> I mean, if you yeah. look at the rim uh, benefit, not to mention Bookshare and and other things that are coming, I, I the, it pays for itself. Well, so that was another question because obviously Bookshare has different arrangements around the world, from my understanding. So. How does that work? If you're a Bits member, even if you're outside of the US, does that count? Yeah, the, the Bookshare one's a little challenging because I'm not exactly sure where that's going to end up as far as you know free access. It, because again, we're doing this through the to the federal government grant, mm. so I don't know that we're going to be able to offer that internationally. But the Rim offer definitely is, and that's that's global. So anybody who joins us will double their time, and and we're, and we're not done there. My goal is to make it free forever. Is Michael, mm. um, but we're going to need to get some help to do that because we 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 have to have some money to be able to run the organization, at least a little. Yeah. We don't need a ton. Uh, so remind us how people can get involved and join. At yeah, this stage. so you can go to joinbits.org. It's J O I N B I T S dot org, and there's a membership form there. It's a little long because we ask you a number of questions and try to get some feedback on what your interests are a little bit, not too crazy, and then you. Uh, pay your bucks and you know become a member and that sends us a notification and we get back to you and add you to email lists and get you involved so we we have events also that are uh, free and open to the public as well so you can find out about that at bits-acb.org and all that information is on the website amazing thank you so much for coming on jeff and telling us about it and uh keep in touch let us know how uh, it all goes we and uh, further events and all that let us know thanks yeah, thanks to Jeff. And uh, like he says, get involved. Sounds like a fantastic thing to get involved in. Now, let's get back to the emails, Sean. And I like to play a little game here in Double Tap uh, every so often called, when did we say that? And uh, that is exactly what I feel like we're doing at the moment with the emails. <laughs> so uh, let's dive in. This is Mark from Miami, who I, I got in touch with us a little while ago regarding conversation around a number of things, but including accessible banking. Oh, how happy I was to hear Stephen and Sean discuss Miami with such fervour. It's confusing. Miami is a city on the mainland, while Miami Beach is both an island unto its own as well as a city on that island. Unfortunately, I don't have enough vision to see my environment. I do have pretty good visual memories of the place, and of course, I can always go back in my memory and recall the introduction to the Miami Vice television show. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in the United States, the Charles Schwab Bank has a very accessible and easy-to-use app on iOS. Mark, on Miami Beach. Ah, okay. Well, there we go. So, yeah, we were talking about Miami. That's right. Um, I did not know that. A city. So, Miami's a city. I've been to Miami. At least I've touched down in it and then left again. That was the conversation um, we had. You were saying you'd yeah. been. And I said, you haven't been to Miami unless you've walked that Miami Beach. That is Miami for me. I remember. But Miami Beach is an is a island and a city of its own. Wow. Is it? I didn't know that. Is it, is it, just, is that you just listen to it. Do, yes. do I play it again? No, I don't. I, I just don't believe that's exactly... Oh, maybe he did. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Are you questioning the guy who lives there? <laughs> no. No, I'm just... I'm not sure he said it was a city on its own, the beach. Hang on. I'm playing it again. Oh. oh, how happy I was to hear Stephen and Sean discuss Miami with such fervour. It's confusing. Miami is a city on the mainland, while Miami Beach is both an island unto its own as well as a city on that island. Oh. See, it's a city on the Miami Beach. Is uh, yeah, okay, yes. There's a city called Miami Beach. Yes, I take it all back. Sorry, 
Are you all right? Do you want to lie down? <laughs> I just, I just, I just think of a beach. That's all. Miami Beach. The, the name is confusing yeah, me. Yeah. Well, the name, the name would definitely lead you towards thinking <laughs> it's a beach. beach. Can't be a city, can it? Um. No. Right. Because there you it's go. Not. Thank you. Right. I talked you round. Well done. It was. It's called a beach. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Great. Thank you for the email, Mark. <sighs> In Miami. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Beach. And also for your recommendation of an accessible bank. Always good to know about those. Uh, here's Samantha. Hi, Stephen and Sean. First, I want to say that I absolutely love the show. You guys are hilarious and I always enjoy listening to the two of you. I love your attitude about living with blindness and overcoming challenges. I'm glad you guys are trying to learn Braille. It's never too late. You mentioned looking for apps to help you. The best Braille learning app I've ever found is called Braille Tutor. Unfortunately, you can't run it on an iPhone. The description says compatibility iPad requires iPad OS 8.0 or later. Mac requires Mac OS 11 or later and a Mac with Apple M1 chip or later. It is a great app to help you learn and practice writing everything from single letters to contractions to punctuation. It's also completely accessible, unlike some of the other Braille apps. And can I just express my incredulity that even Braille apps would be inaccessible? Mm-hmm. If we can't even get developers of those kinds of apps to make accessibility a priority, I don't know how we'll ever get all of the mainstream developers to take accessibility seriously. I definitely encourage everyone to write a very sternly worded email to those developers of inaccessible Braille apps. Anyway, I hope the Braille Tutor app helps you on your Braille journey. Keep up the great shows. There may not be much sunshine in Britain, but you guys are definitely a ray of sunshine in the lives of your listeners. Oh, and stop big it. thanks to Laura for reading the emails. Best, Samantha. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all emotional. Thank you, Samantha. That was that really was nice. nice. I, I'm not used to it. Um, no, I, I can't agree. <laughs> no, not when you hang around me. That's for sure. I can't agree more with your statement there about Braille learning apps. I I was so surprised by the amount of Braille learning apps on on the App Store, which were inaccessible. It just totally blew my mind. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous to be quite honest. But, you know, I think there's a reason for some of this. Unfortunately, there's a reason, which it's a kind of a, it's a testament, I think, to how much uh, Braille is focused on education and young people. Now, that's not a bad thing. No. But what what I find is whenever you search for, and I, I found this when I was searching for Braille resources, I could find endless resources for sighted people to learn Braille, but not blind people to learn Braille. Now, that's changing. There is definitely a move to to make more... Uh, we, we, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, of <laughs> course, right? Why would you right? start off there? Just, just but, totally disregard. Sorry. Well, no, no, but that, I think for many years that's what it was. It was te- people who were teaching Braille were the ones who needed the materials, right? So I can understand where that comes from, but I can't understand why there wouldn't be more resources for people. I don't know. It'd be like the only way to understand English is to go to Portugal and buy a book you know, about English, because that's the only place you can get a book about English. You know, it doesn't make any sense, right? Why would you not have it in England, right, where the actual language was allegedly born? Yeah. So, you know, it just it doesn't make any sense. And this is a, a, a thing that's going on for a long time. And I think a lot of these apps have been designed, at least in part, for people who are teaching Braille. So it's like the teaching aspect of it. I'm not excusing it. I'm really not, but I just because it annoys me just as much. Yeah. If it's a Braille tutor app, it's not about sighted people. It should be accessible to everybody. Yeah, that's true. But thanks for the recommendation. I did a Shaun of the Shed, I think, last month in January. I think I did Shaun of the Shed, and that was on Braille apps. And I had, um, I'm going to say, a disappointing experience with it. I don't think there's a shortcut to learning Was that you ripping off the work you did for World Braille Day for us? Yes. Yes. Right, good. 
because uh, you can get that on the website as well. DoubleTapOnAir.com. Or find it on YouTube on Shaun of the Shed. Uh, go, <laughs> go take a look. Hang on, so I'm just I'm just getting a note here. Hang on, uh, uh, it's 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 available in multiple formats. That's how we sell it. Thank you. God bless you, Mister F. Bye. <laughs> Uh, hey, listen, I don't do my job properly. In fact, I am terrible at my job. Yes. Uh, but I, I should remind you that YouTube is a thing, and we do videos on there. And uh, if you go there now, you'll see a video all about the FreeWrite Alpha. This is this new device that's come out. It's like a basically like a, a typewriter, a modern-day typewriter. Uh, we get into a little bit of a conversation about it because I have some views around how this could be really useful and accessible to blind people I'd love your take on it as well. So go watch the video. It's on YouTube. Uh, Don't forget, of course, our best of YouTube is on the podcast on a Sunday as well. Uh, And we've got more videos coming up over the course of the week. So we'll tell you about those as uh, we go along. That's it for today, though. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Uh, 1877-803-4567. Thanks to Jeff Bishop and to Michael Babcock and to you, Priest. Thank you. Catch you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.